What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the post-grad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. My name is Kylie. I am normally joined by my co-host, Anya, but today I'm actually doing a solo episode. So for those of you who have stuck around with the Two Degrees Hotter podcast, you know that I went to law school. I was a law student when we first started this podcast, and I am no longer a law student. And no, it is not because I graduated. It is because I dropped out. So if you're new here, hi, I'm Kylie. I'm your resident law school dropout. And I actually dropped out of law school almost exactly a year ago, uh, around this time. It was a little closer in May, but Anya and I's schedules worked out where it made the most sense for me to do a solo episode this week, and I figured it's close enough to the year-long anniversary, and I've definitely learned a crap ton (laughs) since dropping out of law school, enough to cover an episode at this point. So that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to be chatting about seven things that I have learned since dropping out of law school. Some of them are directly related to just like law school and my overall career path in general. Some of them are just more life created that I feel like taking a major uh, pivot like dropping out of law school really uh, became the catalyst for me learning. Either way, if you're just like a 20-something figuring it out, going through any sort of life change, whether it is dropping out of school, changing your job, uh, ending a serious relationship, getting engaged in a serious relationship, whatever the big pivot is for you. I feel like this is a good episode. Just kind of like chat about what it's like to be a 20-something, you know? So definitely stick around. But first, let's get into the segment starting with my week in review. So if you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know that I have been looking with my friend Ashley for an apartment in the Boston area. Ashley's been binging the pod. So if you're listening, listening, hey girl, what's up? And I will put a link to her crowdfunding because she is starting a planner business with her best friend Mika and they are creating a planner to help you live a more intentional life and they're crowdfunding for it. So I will leave that down below so you can donate. But anyways, I digress. We officially signed on an apartment this past week, so it is official. I'm a Boston girl once again. Very hopeful that this time around will be a lot better. And yeah, I personally am in love with the apartment. I think it's amazing. I love the area. I'm closer to Anya, obviously, than I am now in New Hampshire, but I'm even closer to her than I was uh, at my old apartment And so, yeah, I am just so excited, like so, so excited. I've spent half my work day. If anyone from my work is listening, turn it off now. I've spent half my work day looking at like rugs (laughs) and bookshelves and stuff like that. So I am very excited. Another update that I've been talking about is my back. Uh, I'm a little old lady who threw out her back a couple weeks ago. I just wanted to give an update that I'm finally feeling better. And truthfully, it took a little longer than I would have ideally wanted to feel better it took a good like week and a half I would say before I woke up and was like oh no my back definitely feels better 
So that's not great. I did spend a lot of time last week specifically in the car driving to Boston to look at apartments. Uh, so I, I'm kind of chalking it up to that and just like having to sit in a very like compromising position. That wasn't super good for my back because I'm not going to lie, like I was in a pretty decent amount of pain most days from that. So yeah, it did take a little bit longer, but I'm finally feeling better. For those of you that have like any sort of injury and like live like a relatively active lifestyle, I know I talked about how like I've been very motivated to work out. This is your friendly reminder to like take it easy. I, once my back started feeling better, I started introducing like some very like moderate yoga flows to help stretch everything out. I've been going on some walks and doing some like low impact Peloton rides because I'm really not trying to tweak anything. I think next week I'll maybe like work up to some like body weight strength and like a couple maybe a little more intense cycling classes if I'm feeling up to it, but nothing more than moderate. And then I'll see how I feel after that and maybe start to like reincorporate. What I'm trying to say is if you have like an injury and you live an active lifestyle, like remember to take it slow because you don't want to like retweak it and prolong your recovery because I get it. I love working out. It's such a huge part of uh, maintaining my own mental health. I've actually noticed like a pretty high spike in my anxiety from not being able to like work out as much. And that's why like once I started feeling better, I started incorporating some low impact uh, movement into my life. But yeah, just remember to take it easy. Your body will thank you. Your mental health will thank you. It'll all be better. But anyways, let's move into my favorite. So this week, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was really thinking about like what I've been using and doing on a daily basis over this past week and no favorite came to mind. So I'm kind of double dipping with <laughs> my week in review and I want to make my favorite walking. I 1000% have made this a favorite before and if I haven't, Anya for sure has. Uh, we're big walking gals. Uh, love a hot girl walk, love a neighborhood walk, love a lunchtime walk. But in New England, at least, that's where Anya and I are located, uh, the weather is finally warming up where like you can go on a walk and it's very bearable. <laughs> um, our winters get pretty rough. So even I, like as much as I love a walk, there was a good chunk of time in the winter when I wasn't walking outside because it was just too frigid. Now that the weather is finally warming up a little bit, becoming more tolerable, I have for sure been taking advantage of getting outside and going on a walk as much as I can. Sometimes I even go on two walks because I cannot be stopped. So this is your reminder, a lot of reminders in this first segment, to get outside. Get outside, get some fresh air, go on a walk, sit outside. I don't care what it is. That also really helps your mental health. It's so crazy. Like just in this past week, being able to like move my body a little bit more and get outside, like I've been feeling a lot better. So yeah, that's everything. I feel like that was a super rapid fire segment. Uh, I guess it's only me, so that does check out. But let's move into the episode topic, which is what I learned since gra graduating law school. Ha, that's funny. What I learned since dropping out of law school. So like I said at the beginning of the episode, it has been almost exactly a year since I dropped out of law school and I'm going to be super honest. 
If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diasty in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. Honest, 2021 in general, but even like dipping into the beginning of 2022, was easily the hardest year of my 20s. I hesitate to say hardest year of my life, just because number one, I don't want the universe to be like, haha, you thought that was bad. But also, like, I don't know. That's like a bold statement to say the hardest year of my life. And I don't know if I'm willing to make that statement. But I will say that of my 20s thus far, it was definitely the hardest year and the one that had the most hardship, the most growing pains, the most change. And so I just kind of wanted to like reflect a little bit on what my life has been like since making such a huge shift, Uh, especially, you know, my type A girlies will know that when you commit to something like law school, grad school, whatever it may be, to completely drop it is like very much like unnatural feeling. Um, I always had the mindset of when you start something, you finish it. So what is it like after like having to drop that mindset and make this shift? Do I regret dropping out of law school? Do I regret going to law school? Would I ever go back to law school and just things like that. So these are the seven things that I've learned and I'm sure that I'll go on a couple of tangents uh, to answer all of those questions as I go through the lessons, but I wanted to try to like frame it in seven things that like I've really taken away in the 12 months since I've been out of law school. So let's kick it off with number one, starting with a bang, having regret is useless and it sounds really cliche to be like oh like you should live without a regret like everything happens for a reason you learn something from every experience like I know that sounds really cliche but at the end of the day it really is true I spent the first couple of months after leaving law school really regretting it I remember even when I was making the decision to leave I remember saying to my parents all the time I was like I just wish that I never went I wish I never went like my life would be so much easier if I just never went to law school and at the time those were like very valid feelings and I don't blame myself for feeling that but as this year has gone on and I've gotten some distance from like the immediate pain 
of my law school experience, as, like, dramatic as that sounds, I have realized that, like, okay, yes, maybe law school did bring me a lot more harm than good, but it did bring some good, even if it was just giving me, personally, the push that I needed to face my own mental health, my own anxiety, my own identity issues and sense of self, my own fears and perceptions of who I thought I was supposed to be as a person. Those are all things that I've really grappled with and continue to grapple with throughout this past year. I don't know if I would have been forced to really like look myself in the eye like that if I didn't go through law school and the subsequent experiences that happened after dropping out of law school or like the things that happened because of law school. I really don't know if I would have at this point in my life had to face that. I'm sure at some point it would have come along, but I've started to see it as somewhat of a blessing to have been 23 and borderline forced to deal with all of these things because I'd rather only go 23 years of my life having a very weak sense of self and having very crippling anxiety than having to go 24, 25, 26, 27, 37, 47 years, you know? I'm learning to take the little good that came from it and like really relish that and relish the fact that I am pretty content with who I am as a person at this point in my life and law school is part of the journey to getting to this person. If I had to go through what I went through with law school to be this girl talking to you, I think it was worth it. And that like if you had asked a year ago Kylie this question, like it would have been such a different answer. But I do. I think it was worth it. And I I don't regret going to law school and I don't regret dropping out of law school. I think those two things can absolutely exist at the same time. And I just try to remember to be very grateful. Uh, Number one, for the fact that I had the opportunity to go to law school because that in and of itself is a privilege. It's a privilege to have been able to drop out of law school and be okay and get a job and be financially secure and be in the position to move out on my own. And it's also a privilege to have learned the lessons that I learned over the past years and have the support that I had through friends and family and therapy. So I just try to to keep all of that in perspective because regretting it isn't going to do anything except keep me bitter about the whole experience and I'm not really interested in that. So then the next lesson kind of stemming off of what I was talking about is that I've learned that personally my own anxiety is not solely tied to academics in law school. Uh, So I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I do personally suffer from anxiety and you know it's been an uphill battle and I always thought that I had just like general anxiety disorder. You know, I wasn't experiencing anything too crazy to like put me in like a super specific anxiety disorder, but I always thought that my anxiety was at the very least tied to like academic performance. I didn't really notice how anxious I was until college and a lot of that stemmed from my academics and then law school came and all of it only heightened and I genuinely thought a year ago leaving law school that like my anxiety was going to diminish, if not disappear, once I was no longer a student. Like I really tied my anxiety so tightly to being a student. But guess what, besties? (laughs) It's a year later and I do in fact still have anxiety. Granted, it is a lot less severe, like a lot less severe, a lot more manageable, but it has transferred to other aspects of my life. (laughs) 
And so I think, again, if I hadn't left law school and realized that my anxiety laid outside of my identity as a student, I, I wouldn't have known this. And I would have gone on just thinking, well, once I graduate law school, like I'll feel so much better. Once I am out of school, I'll feel so much better, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, you don't not have anxiety. You still have the means to cope with that anxiety and learn to to live and manage that anxiety. Uh, but that was sort of like a reality check for me of like, okay, I definitely still have anxiety. Definitely is tied to other uh, aspects of my life outside of academics. I hope this is like making sense. I kind of had this breakthrough last night while I was journaling where I realized that I think personally, this is my experience with anxiety and everyone else, like everyone has various experiences who is dealing with anxiety. My anxiety is more rooted in this idea of having to be perfect or at the very least portray myself as someone who is perfect, gets the perfect grades, has the perfect job, goes to the perfect law school, gets all the awards, has a great social life, perfect social life, like all of this stuff. And I'm even seeing it seep into my dating life where not only do I feel this need to be in a healthy and secure relationship for the sake of maintaining this perfect image because being in a stable and healthy relationship, at least on the surface, kind of is what society teaches women especially is the perfect route in life. But I also feel this need to portray this perfect image to the people that I'm going on dates with. I have this really deep fear of the second I show an ounce of a flaw that they're going to run for the hills. This could be a whole other episode, but what I'm trying to say is, is that dropping out of law school was not the one fix solution for my mental health issues, and I still have a lot of work to do. Uh, so if sharing kind of the, the thought process and like what I'm learning about myself and my own anxiety helps someone out there listening, that's great. But like I said, everyone has like their own, their own experiences, their own triggers, so on and so forth. So I'll hop off my little anxiety soapbox. And move on to my next point, one of my favorites, which is that no one, and I repeat, no one really cares what you do with your life. So going off of this idea of, oh, I need to portray this perfect image, when I dropped out of law school, I did have a lot of anxiety over telling friends and family and acquaintances and professors from undergrad that I had dropped out. I thought, these people are going to look at me like I'm such a failure. Like they're going to think like I did not drop out because of academic performance and I'm not like trying to like gas myself up or make myself like sound smarter than I am, believe me. But I like grade wise was doing fine in law school. It really was me choosing to leave because I was unhappy. It wasn't me choosing to leave because I was incapable of doing it. But I thought that most people would look at me and think that I left because I was incapable of doing it, if that makes sense, from like a performance academic standpoint. So I, I had so much anxiety in that first month or so as I was telling people that I had dropped out. And obviously, most of like my close friends and family knew before I even dropped out that that's what I was planning on doing. So I wasn't super worried about their opinions. I knew that they would stand by me. But what was so interesting was that as I told more people, literally no one like batted an eyelash, at least not to my face. And most people were like, oh, well, like good for you for figuring that out. Like at least you gave it a shot, you gave it the year. And now you know that that just wasn't the right path for you. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind how little people cared. 
And so this is just the reminder that like, obviously this doesn't need to apply to something as big as like a giant career pivot or dropping out of grad school. Do whatever the fuck you want. Like, (laughs) not to swear, sorry. But like, do whatever you want. Seriously, no one cares. And if they do, it says so much more about them than it does about you. Because I'll tell you what, I am so much happier being out of law school. So even if people gave me a hard time, I wasn't going to go back because people were giving me a hard time, especially knowing how much better my life is a year later. Definitely was not going to go back. So who cares? Do what you want. And especially like if you are grappling with more of like a career pivot, dropping out of grad school or like pivoting your grad school experience like I did, Um, now that I'm almost at a year in my full-time position, I feel like I'm probably not even going to have to disclose on my resume that I did a year of law school. And I'm lucky that, you know, I started law school right after graduating college in 2020. And so having that sort of gap on my resume, most employers, and I'm assuming here, I'll, I'll let you know if it's different, you know, a couple years down the line when I'm looking for my next position. But I'm assuming most employers won't even really bat an eye at a year gap in the year 2020 because like everyone was scrambling. It was so hard to find a job if you were graduating. So that's kind of my two cents on that. If other people's opinions of you are what's stopping you from making that big pivot that you think is going to bring you happiness, no one cares. Like I promise you the people that matter and even the people that don't will not care. So just do it. Do what makes you happy. (laughs) And then the next point, again, these are all like kind of going off of each other. So I feel like I need to stop saying going off of my last point. If you're in your 20s and hell, even if you're not in your 20s, you have so much time in your life, so much time. Stop telling yourself that you're running out of it and just make the change, make the move, take the risk, whatever it is. I feel like as especially like millennials and Gen Z or uh, more so millennials, we're so conditioned that like once we start something, it feels natural to like just want to finish it and not pivot away in the same sense of like, oh, like once I start something, I can't stop it. Like I have to keep going until it's done. And I think, you know, we especially face a lot of pressure weirdly to like achieve a certain level of success when we're really young. Like at least American culture, I feel like really glamorizes this idea of like being really super successful in your 20s. But I think something that I have really been loving from TikTok is this trend or like style video that talks about the show Friends. If you don't know Friends, are you living under a rock? If you are like one of the 10 people in the world that doesn't, Friends follows a group of six friends (laughs) who are in their 20s at the start of the show and it just like follows them through like figuring out life as a 20-something and then as a young 30-something. And there's this like trend on TikTok where people are reminding you that the Friends characters were only between like 24 and 26 in season one. And that's when their life started. One character had just left left her husband at the altar. Another character had just gotten divorced. One character had just gotten out of a serious relationship. Three of them were completely single with no prospects. Like they all were having career issues. They all were going through this and that and the other thing. And we just, we watch them and we think, well, yeah, they're 24 to 26. That's what your 20s are like. But when you're living it, it feels like you're running out of time all of the time. So seeing this sort of trend and like talking about the fact that like for me as a 24 year old, I'm only in season one of Friends. Like if I'm going off of the Friends plotline, I should have nothing. 
figured out. So considering I have a couple of things figured out in my life, I should I should count myself lucky and I sh- I should give myself a little credit for that. So yeah, that's just that's a little like tangential, but this is the time to try new things, to make that pivot, to take the risk, flip your whole life upside down. Most of us are not married, do not have kids, do not have other people that we need to truly answer to at this time. So be selfish, be selfish. And I even remember, you know, I knew someone in law school who was a couple years older than me. I was 23 when I dropped out of law school. And I believe this girl was like a tw- around 26. And, you know, when I dropped out of law school, she very much encouraged it. And she very much told me, you're 23, you're so young, you have so much time on your hands. Like, this is the time to make the pivot. And even though she was only three years older than me, in her 20s still, she was very adamant that she was too old to change her life. And I just don't think that that's true. As a 26-year-old, she's also really only in like the first season or two of Friends. There's still nine seasons to flip your whole life upside down. And sometimes it's what you have to do. So if you're in your 20s, stop putting pressure on yourself to get it all figured out. That's what our 30s are for. (laughs) Our 20s are for being messy and making mistakes and failing and trying again and doing all of that stuff. I sound like such a cliche with a microphone, but it's true. Like it really is. As someone who flipped their whole life upside down, it's true. Anyways. I will hop off that salt box, jump on to a next one, which is that your mental health and your physical health, but your mental health is more important than anything, anything at all. It's more important than a job. It's more important than your schooling. It is more important than a relationship or a friendship. Literally nothing on this earth, nothing is worth sacrificing your own mental health. And it is not selfish. It is not bad to cut what you need to cut out of your life and add what you need to add to your life to help your mental health. There's no bad way to help your own mental health. You have to do what's best for you. And I think if I hadn't like really in the back of my mind known that, I probably would still be in law school. Really, really, really miserable and really not doing well mentally. But I knew deep down that my mental health had to come first and that there was something wrong if I was that miserable every single day, if I was that anxious every single day, something was wrong. And I I just had to cut it. I had to get out. And yes, you know, obviously if you are in law school and you really truly want to be a lawyer, you can't imagine your life without you becoming a lawyer. There are like supports that you can use in law school to help you get through if you are experiencing mental health troubles. I'm sure most schools offer counseling or you can see like a therapist on your own, talk to professors, talk to, you know, upperclassmen who have been there. And there are those supports. I think for me, the difference was I genuinely could see a happy life for myself without being a, a lawyer. And that was enough for me to say, I need to hightail it out of here. This isn't worth it for me. That's not to say that everyone who's struggling with their mental health in law school should drop out. But if you're like me and you can truly see a happy life for yourself without being a lawyer and your your mental health is really suffering in law school, just food for thought. (laughs) The next thing that I've learned is that career satisfaction as a 
as one of the criteria for a job search should not be ignored. So obviously when you're looking at your first positions or like really mapping out how you want your life and your career to look while you're in college, it's really natural for us to look at, okay, what career path is going to pay me the most? What is going to offer me like the most prestige or seem the most, you know, prestigious, I can't think of another word, (laughs) on the outside, like the status of the job, what is going to lead to the most opportunities for growth. Like these are all things that we're taught to look for through our career centers in college and just through like any sort of networking event. But I think something that we really need to pay attention to and really need to like think about is our career satisfaction. How happy are we working this type of job? How happy are we working for this type of company? Do we like our coworkers? Do we like the work-life balance? I feel like that doesn't get enough credit. I feel like it doesn't get enough exploration when you're looking for your first job. And as someone who went to law school and realized that becoming a lawyer, specifically, not even the law school aspect, but becoming a lawyer, I realized would not bring me that career satisfaction and then leaving law school and finding a job that did pay decently well, you know, is a relatively good position for where I want to go and has those opportunities for growth. Having that career satisfaction is really what the icing on the cake and what makes, I think is making me go through this year in this transition so much more smoothly because, well, at least I found a job that I really like doing and that I'm happy at. So just, again, food, like all of this is sort of a take what you like and leave what you don't. But I really do think that we have to treat career satisfaction with a bit more urgency and like just give it more time. You're going to spend 40 hours a week doing this job, working for that company, working with those people. You owe it to yourself to not be miserable. (laughs) And, you know, again, I'm coming from like a very privileged standpoint of not really having any sort of external expectations placed on me for what I should be. Um, And I, you know, was in a position where I had multiple job offers and things like that. And I get that that's not where everyone finds themselves. So I'm not trying to like discredit or um, ignore my own privilege. But if you do have the opportunity to weigh career satisfaction, do it. Don't ignore it. And then... The last lesson that I learned, and this is one that I've been learning throughout just life as an adult, (laughs) Um, it's especially been ingrained in me over this past year, and it is that you are the only person that has to live with you for the rest of your life. I'll say it again. You, you, talking to you, are the only person that has to live with you for the rest of your life. So by this, I mean that I personally went to a lot of people when I was thinking about dropping out. I went to my family. I went to all of my friends. I went to uh, professors from undergrad. I went to my therapist. I went to everyone <laughs> that I could think of. Some of them really commiserated with me and understood where I was coming from and empathized with where I was coming from. Some really encouraged me to leave. 
Some encouraged me to stay in law school. Some even tried to tell me how I was feeling and why I went to law school and all of this stuff, even though I would explicitly say this is why I went to law school and I don't think I went for the right reasons and now I feel like this. I had some people that I went to tell me, no, you went to law school for this reason. And I'm like, I think I know the reasons. But anyways, I digress. At the end of the day, a year out, because obviously based on that list, the people who encouraged me to stay, the people who tried to tell me why I went to law school and why I would be a good lawyer, I ended up quote unquote disappointing them or at the very least going against them when I decided to leave. But at the end of the day, those opinions didn't matter. And even, don't take this the wrong way, anyone that I went to, but even the opinions of the people who encouraged me to leave or commiserated and empathized with me, those opinions don't necessarily matter either because it's my life that I was determining. It's my mental health that I was helping. It's my overall life satisfaction that I was taking control of. If I hadn't done that for myself, these people don't have to live inside my head live with my thoughts, live with my motivation and my overall satisfaction in life, they don't have to. They get to tell me their opinion and then move on to their own life and their own issues and their own, you know, whatever. I'm the only one that has to go to bed with myself at the end of the day. And so, you know, if you're the type of person that needs to talk these big decisions out, by all means, I'm not encouraging you not to do that. But just try to remember that If your gut's telling you something, you can follow it. And it's okay if that gut feeling is going against what the majority of the people you're talking to are telling you to do. Because you are the only person that has to live with yourself at the end of the day. And so you need to take control of whatever you can take control of to make that the most pleasant experience possible. I hope that made sense. I hope all of this made sense, honestly. I really feel like I just hopped on a soapbox for like 35 minutes So maybe I'll listen to this episode and be like, I absolutely have to re-record this because this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever recorded. I will say I should have given this disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Did right now it is uh, 6.30 at night. I am sitting on my bedroom floor and I have been up since 4.45 this morning because I had to drive my parents to a bus station because they were going to New York for the weekend. So I am running on fumes. And so I don't really know what I said throughout this podcast. So it's super possible that you're not hearing this version and that I started editing this episode and said, nope, Kylie, you just rambled and made no sense whatsoever. But if you are listening to this version, I hope this helped a little bit. If anything, just helped you feel like you're not alone in literally plunging through the weeds of being an adult. (laughs) Um, being a 20 something is hard and it's kind of supposed to be hard from what I've what from what I've gathered it's supposed to be hard it's supposed to be a little messy uh it's supposed to you're supposed to make mistakes and fail a lot and the word on the street is that if you're feeling like that you're doing something right in your 20s so if anything else I hope you leave with that all right so that is today's episode i will be back next week with anya but in the meantime make sure to follow us on twitter on twitter oh my god i told you guys i've been up since 4 45 follow us on instagram at two degrees hotter uh rate us on apple Podcasts and spotify if you're feeling like giving a generous five-star rating over there feel free to leave anything that you need advice on there's a link in our comment in our 
Oh my god. I feel like I did pretty good of not like really flubbing over my words during the bulk of this episode and now I'm just failing. We will leave our anonymous suggestion box down below for you to submit any advice that you need. We're always looking for advice to make an advice episode. And yeah, with that, I will stop blubbering like an idiot and go take a freaking nap. And I'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Bye.